yeah. Good morning, Orange Park family. Why don't you stay standing just for a second? Uh, not for me, but for Jesus. Come on, we put our hands together for Jesus. It's been pretty good in here this morning. I love being out here to worship with y'all, and also to thank our worship team. Can you thank our worship team? Come on, TJ and the team. I love you guys, man. Thanks for leading us in the presence of God. Oh, my goodness. And uh, one more, just real quick. Uh, one of my favorite things about Orange Park is that you guys are well-pastored here. Can you agree with that? You're well-pastored. You have great pastors here. It's one of the best parts about being part of the Orange Park Celebration family. And so I just want to, come on, it's the last day. Did you know October is Pastor Appreciation Month? Isn't that crazy? It's the last Sunday in Pastor Appreciation Month. And so I just want to take a moment to thank Pastor Robert, Pastor Carmen, uh, Pastor Kevin. Uh, let's see, who else we got here? Pastor, who, who else am I missing? Pastor Kevin, Pastor, I'm Pastor TJ. Oh, Pastor Robert Cummins. Oh, my gosh. Um, your entire, all your pastoral leaders that are here at, at Orange Park, Make sure you thank them today before you leave. Just go up to them and tell them how much you love them and appreciate all that they pour into your lives. Uh, I appreciate you, Pastor Robert. Thank you so much for uh, how you lead. You lead so well here. By example, your hands are, are always uh, your hands are always dirty. Your feet are always covered with dirt. You know what I'm saying? Like you're a, a man who is out doing the work of the ministry, and I'm just so grateful for you. Uh, your heart is for people and for God. And, uh, and so it's been a pleasure over these last, I don't know, man, you, you've been on staff five, six years now, seven years, seven years. Me and Pastor Chris, I never met, I'll never forget going, coming to you, man, and like, hey, will you, will you come on staff and be a pastor with us? And you were like, I don't know, man, that's a big ask. Most people were like, yes, I'm on staff, awesome, let's go. You were like, you considered it. You're like, this is a big ask that you're making of me. And I'll never forget your response to that. You know, it, it shows that you're a humble person, a humble leader, and I really appreciate that about you, and it comes through in your leadership. So one more time, thank Pastor Robert and Pastor Carmen there. Goodness, we appreciate you. All right, we're going to open up your Bibles, get your word out right here, stay standing. We're going to read the word of God together. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Get your smart device out. I don't know, some of you got your paper Bibles? Anybody got a paper Bible? Right here in the front row, got paper Bibles? Yes, paper. I love it. It feels good. Now, unfortunately, I've switched to digital here for when I'm preaching, but we've got Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read just verses 24 and 25 together, and, um, and we're going to unpack a little message that I have here for you today. If you got your words, you're ready to go, say, I'm ready. If you need another minute, say, hold up. One more person. Yes. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to unpack this a little bit today. It's one of my favorite passages. This, these two verses have changed my life and have guided me, given me great values uh, to lead my family and to lead our church with. But it says this in Hebrews chapter 10. This is from the English Standard Version. It'll be up on the screen in the big Bible in the sky. Uh, verse 24 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I'm going to share with you just a, for a few minutes here today a little message called Some Assembly Required. Some Assembly Required. If you are a King James person, New King James, I think it has the word assembly. Never forget the assembly of the saints. Some assembly required. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you, God, for all that you're doing in us and through us as we come together as the body of Christ to serve this community and to bring you glory. God, I thank you that you shine ever brighter, ever brighter in Clay County, in Orange Park, Middleburg, all these communities, these 
these people that, that you're so passionate for, that you love so dearly, Lord. Help us to be like a city on a hill. Help us to be the hands and feet of Jesus, serving our community. And help us to do it to bring you glory, honor, and praise. Lord, even as I preach your word, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock, my redeemer, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right, go ahead and have a seat. Thanks, TJ. Some assembly required. In the new world that we live in of digital gifts, I love digital gifts. I love to give like gift cards digitally. It's fantastic. So convenient. So easy. Oh, my goodness. But I know I'm looking around the room. You know, I'm, I'm thinking back to like the 70s, the 80s. The 90s. There, was, there was physical toys that we gave for Christmas. Some of you still get them. I think kids still like physical toys, and there would be some instructions on the package. I see some smiles and some head nods. Some assembly required. Like you get the toy, and if you're the parent, the toy is in a box, and it's a box full of parts, and the parts have to be assembled in order for the toy to become whole and to be something that is actually pleasing to the child. Am I right? I, uh, I was thinking about this. I had a, a, a bike came to mind, even as I was thinking about this. When I was a kid, this is in Norwalk, Ohio, small town Ohio where I grew up, and, uh, you know, Christmas is always snowy, and uh, it was like a blizzard that year, but I, I remember, I don't, this wasn't my first bike, this was my second bike, like, but I remember, like, it was snowy, and it was one of those beautiful white Christmases, and, and I remember going to bed, and it's magical, and you're wondering when Santa's going to come, you're listening for those reindeer on the, on the roof, and he's going to come down the chimney and leave me a toy, leave me some presents. I remember thinking about that, right? So I, I come out of my room in the morning, and I open up the door, and there's this bike sitting right there, man, Huffy bike. Anybody remember a Huffy bicycle? You know what I'm saying? Huffy was always, that was the brand back then, man. It had the banana seat on it. You know what I'm saying? The long banana seat. Thing was sweet, man. I was so excited. But I'll never forget finding out later it, it didn't come down through the chimney. You know what I'm saying? It didn't come down through the chimney. I found out later that it was from my parents, right? But my dad had been up all night long assembling this bike. It did not come assembled. It was like a kit. And my dad had been up. After I went to sleep, magical moment, you know, go to sleep, be quiet. Otherwise, Santa won't come. So I'm in my bed. My dad is up for hours laboring. Some assembly required to put this bike together. If I would have come out of my door on Christmas morning and found a bunch of loose, a tire here and like handlebars over there and a chain maybe over here, some spokes, that would have been very challenging, right, for me to be very excited about. But I'll never forget, I mean, I was probably seven years old, never forget coming out and seeing that bike sitting there and just like it was a magical moment that I still remember all these years later. Some assembly required. What I learned about that is that Christmas presents are much better when they are assembled. They have like a certain value when they see them. And, and the recipient, the recipient gets to enjoy that gift if someone who loves them and cares about them takes the time to put all the pieces together into something that they can enjoy. It takes someone, it took someone who loved me. My dad had to spend time and invest energy knowing that he wanted to do that for me. He had to invest his energy to make sure that I got the blessing. This is a year-round occurrence now, some assembly required, because if any of you ever shopped at Ikea, so come on, Ikea, 
Come on, I, I got a math mind. I got a math brain. I love engineering, so I love Ikea. Like, it's, it's a challenge. I get these things. You know, it's a massive kit, massive instruction sheet with all kinds of crazy things. I'll never forget building my first Ikea piece, the Farfik Nugent or whatever it was called. Man, I, can, I don't know what it was called. I, still, I couldn't say it at the time. I can't recall what it was, but it has one of those crazy names, you know. And I'll never forget, like, putting the thing together. A couple things that I learned about IKEA furniture and assembling things, you better follow the instructions. Am I right? You better follow the instructions. If you want to wing it with an IKEA piece, good luck with that. You're going to end up with like a table leg missing. You're going to end up the thing is the thing is not going to work the way that you think it's going to work when you get done building it. The other thing that I learned is if you have leftover pieces at the end, those things they go in the trash. You know what I'm saying? They don't go into the table or into the bed or whatever it is you're building, and they never quite achieve the purpose that they were intended for, right? So when you're assembling your next Ikea piece, think about this, some assembly required. Unused parts don't help fulfill the purpose of the end product that they were intended for. Think about this in terms of our verse here today. Hebrews chapter 10, don't forget the assembly of the saints. Don't forget how important it is as believers to come together. There's something powerful that's released when we all come together. And I've, I've noticed this. Uh, it's, I'm probably preaching to the choir here, you know, thinking about all of you on, on 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning right here in the seats, taking it all in, getting got some paper Bibles representing. Like, you guys probably, you probably understand how valuable it is to be in church on a Sunday morning. Anybody agree with me on that? You waving at me, right? You know what I'm saying? There's something about it. I don't know if you've noticed this, though. This is kind of a, there's a trend away from that in the American church today. You may have noticed that. People are much more maybe consumer-oriented towards Christianity. Uh, ever since COVID, this has changed the way that Americans interact with the body of Christ. It's much more consumer-oriented. Like, we can watch it on our phones, right? You can watch good messages on our phones. You can watch Stephen Furtick preach to you. You can watch Pastor Tim Timberlake preach to you. You're like, man, I don't know if I'm going to go listen to John Wyatt. If I can listen to, you know, to uh, Stephen Furtick. Like, you make your choices, and then you, you sit and watch at, at home in your jammies. It's kind of nice, I know. Come on, admit it if you've ever done it. Just wake up in the morning with your cup of coffee and watch church. Woo, man, it, it kind of feels kind of good, right? It's become a trend, though, in the body of Christ. And that's really what I wanted to speak, not against today, but I wanted to encourage you. You guys are here on a Sunday morning, some assembly required, right? You know your walk with the Lord is good, it's healthy. You've been doing your quiet times, you've been spending time in the Word and prayer. You're serving, you're serving in our food pantry, you're serving at different outreaches, you're, you're inviting your neighbors maybe to, uh, to you know, uh, opening up the gospel and, and opening up, hey man, uh, you know, I'm a Christian. You ever thought about coming to church with me? You're, you're talking to them, you're doing things as Christians, as individuals that are helping you be good and healthy spiritually. You're leading your families well. But there's something about us coming together. Everybody say, some assembly required. Something supernatural takes place when we come together. And we're going to read about that here in the scriptures today. I just have a few thoughts for you. Now, whenever we come together, one of the things that we get to do with you uh, is we get to exegete the scriptures. Everybody say, exegete. That's a big word for a Sunday at 9, isn't it? Come on, we're a Pentecostal preaching, you know, spirit-filled church. We love to hear the voice of the Lord. But I'll tell you what, man, you're always getting good, well-thought-out 
exegesis in this place. And that means we're actually unpacking what this scripture actually says. Not just what we think it might say, but what it actually says, right? It's very important for you to know. We always read the scripture to you in context. I'm not going to just pull one verse out and make a doctrine for you this morning. Instead, I'm going to help you understand how important this is as a principle to every follower of Jesus. Amen? You with me on that? So let's unpack just a little bit about this verse. Hebrews chapter 10 is a beautiful passage on the love and the mercy that God makes available to us in Jesus. Amen. Anybody ever experienced the love and the mercy of Jesus? I hope I'm in a room full of people that have experienced the love and the mercy of Jesus. You're not here out of obligation or duty, right? Right? You're here because Jesus has touched and transformed your life, right? I hope you're here because of that. If not, hey, you can leave here today changed forever, right? Um, the love and the mercy of Jesus as transforms us. And, and it's described in Hebrews. There's a few things I want you to know about Hebrews chapter 10. First, the author of this uh, letter, Hebrews, is actually unknown, but the recipients are the Hebrew people. So you think Romans, it's written to the church in Rome, Corinthians, the church in Corinth, right? This is written to the Hebrew people to help them understand the love and the mercy that's found in Jesus. So the author pulls in Old Testament, stuff they'd be familiar with, Old Testament, and helps them see how Jesus comes to life through the Old Testament, how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, right? So he pulls like Psalm 40. It's a passage that everybody was reading this letter would have known. And it shows that the Old Testament anticipates that the old system of sacrifices, the old system of follow the instructions or you won't be right with God, the old system won't work. And eventually, God is going to have to do away with it. He makes an argument for this. This is heavy. So just simply following the rules won't help you fall in love with Jesus. We've experienced this. It's more than just a, a religion. It's a relationship. Am I right? If I'm, if I'm right, say, oh, yeah. All right, I'm with you. You're with me. I like that. Okay. So he's making that argument right here in this passage. And he, he, says, uh, he says that Christ's sacrifice, it effectively sanctifies. Everybody says sanctify. That's a big Bible word too. Sanctifies believers in accordance with God's will. There's something powerful that's happened in Jesus that makes us right with God and makes us able to come into his presence. Amen? We're able to be in his presence. And, uh, and Psalm 40 is associated with David, right? David, the author David, David Goliath, think, right? He was also a psalmist, a songwriter. And Psalm 40 the, the, the original hearers of this message, they would have heard it and they would have said, oh, he's talking about David. David understood right living to be better than right rituals. Come on, man. I always think about him rolling in, uh, rolling through the temple and eating the showbread, it was called. He'd eat the bread off the table with his men because they were hungry. Why? Because David valued right living better than right rituals. He had a heart after God. It wasn't just about following the instructions in the book. There was something about David's heart that he stayed right, even in his mistakes, his failures, his faults. Anybody got him? Yep, me too. David did as well. There was something about David that, that resonated with God. And the original recipients of this letter, they would have sensed that as well. And so as he's going through Hebrews 10, he's, he's painting a picture for his listeners about redemption through Jesus, about the powerful thing that God has done. And it's it, it summarized in our verse today. Starting, and I'll start in like verse 23 here. It says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. For he who promised is faithful. And then it goes into our verse here, Hebrews 20, 10, 24. It says this, let us consider how to stir one another up 
to love and good works. Man, I've been here for a little over an hour. I've been stirred up by your pastors. I've been stirred up by your worship team. I've been stirred up by the presence of the Lord. Have you experienced that this morning? I feel that in the room today. I feel that even in the exhortation, Pastor Robert, that you gave. You didn't see my notes, right? You didn't see my notes. I got a little point in here about that. That was pretty funny that you said it about our gifts and how God's bringing our gifts together. It says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. So some people have that habit. They'll sit in their jammies and watch TV. They'll watch service on TV. It's all right. And it's okay if you're sick or you need to take a week or whatever, traveling. Those things are okay. But there's some habits we can form where we exclude the assembly of the saints. Some assembly required. But instead, he offers an alternative, encouraging one another. And check this out. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. What day is that? Is that like Monday, tomorrow? You see Monday coming. Oh, man, you better encourage one another. In my, ver- in my version of ESV, D is capitalized. Yep, it is on the screen as well. You know why D is capitalized? What is he talking about? What day is he talking about? Why should we gather together and encourage each other? Because we see this certain day approaching where Jesus is going to split the eastern skies out over the Atlantic Ocean. He's going to split the eastern skies, and he's going to return, not as the lamb, but as the lion. We are in a dispensation of grace, my friends. He came as the lamb and offered his body and offered his life as a sacrifice for all of us. But when he makes his return, oh, yeah, he is coming back with fire in his eyes and judgment in ju- judgment, that's a terrible word. My daughters hate the word judgment. Everybody hates judgment, judgerton people, right? Judgment. Jesus is going to come back and he's going to judge humanity. He's going to judge humanity. And we should not be afraid of that because we have been found righteous in Christ Jesus. Amen. When Jesus comes back and splits the eastern skies with all of the angel armies with him, he is going to find you and I innocent. Woo! Who are found in Christ. Oh my goodness. I hope that encourages you, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is an important truth that I think we gloss over sometimes. Jesus is going to return, and there are going to be those who are with him and those who are against him. It's just true. It is what it is, and we can't, we can't sugarcoat it. But as believers, we're looking forward to that day. Now, I personally hope that a lot of people are like, oh, man, Jesus, come quickly. I hope I get a full lifetime of winning souls before Jesus comes back personally. I'm like, don't cut me short, Jesus. I want to win some souls. I want to preach the gospel all over the world. But um, when Jesus does come back, this is something that is the most encouraging thing to us. It is the reason for the hope that we have. The reason for the hope that we have is not that we will have an easy life, friend. Right? In this world you will have trouble. Remember that verse? Jesus, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Am I right? Our hope is not in an easy life. Our hope is in Jesus' one, re- one day returning. And for us to spend eternity in heaven with him in perfection. Are you with me, church? If you're with me, say amen. Come on, man, a good Pentecostal. Amen. All right, that's better. Woo, my goodness. That's what this verse is about. This whole chapter, this whole section of Hebrews is about. It all focuses on, hey, the reason for the hope that we have is this Jesus is coming back one day. And he's going to find us right in his sight. And that our evangelism efforts, our serving efforts, it's all done in an effort to bring as many people to heaven with us as we possibly can. Are you with me? 
We're on the clock. Jesus is coming back. We don't know the day or the time, but it is going to happen. And so while we're here, be found busy. Winning souls, loving God, loving people. Come on, loving the Jaguars. No, that's not in the Bible. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, man, I hope I didn't lose all all the fans. I wasn't going to bring up Georgia and Florida. Goodness, man, divide the room quickly. I have to have a few thoughts to share with you about this verse, about how important it is all the more as you see the day approaching for us to be together. I just have a few thoughts about how to be powerful and effective in this. Why is it so important to get on our clothes and come to church? Why is it so important to invite all of our neighbors? Why is it so important to, uh, to serve people and to try to get an, uh, an opportunity to speak into their lives about the goodness of God? Here's the first thing I want you to write down. I'll write down, together we form up the body. This is a pretty low-hanging fruit. This is a pretty easy one. Together, we form up the body. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, starting in verse 12. Uh, this whole passage is good. I won't read the whole thing just for the sake of time, but it says in verse 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. And so it is with the body of Christ. And it goes on to describe how the body of Christ is made up. It's, it's the, the spiritual body of Christ. It's made up of people from all nations, all backgrounds, all positions, all political affiliations, all different uh, uh, seasons of life, all different stations in life. The body of Christ is made up of different people, of very diverse people. But it says this in verse 19. It says, how strange a body would be if it had only one part. Can you imagine a body made up of all noses? Giant nose running around. Wouldn't be able to run around. It wouldn't have legs. Giant nose bouncing around. It's ridiculous. Paul uses, it's the Bible, right? Paul uses metaphor and he uses a little like exaggerations to be able to get his point across. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. What's God getting at with all of this? We need each other. We need each other. We need each other. You don't want to be a nose just sitting at home on your sofa. If you're an ear, you can't see. If you're a foot, well, I guess if you're a foot, man, you need a leg to get around. You know what I'm saying? If you're a foot, you're just standing in one place. I know this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous to picture those things, but that's the imagery that Paul's using here to describe what it looks like when a Christian is separated from church from his church family, from our church family. It's ridiculous, isn't it? So like, how about that? Think about that on our spiritual journey, how important it is for us to be together. Remember this, without you, the body of Christ is incomplete. So strange to think the God of all creation who can do anything, he can't get done exactly what he wants to get done unless you're willing to be a part. Amen? If you're willing to sacrifice, to be a part, to be able to serve, your unique gifts and talents, they're not just for you. That's hard for us to imagine in today's day and age. Our culture fights against that. Our culture fights against that, friend. Our culture says that everything's about you and your own personal development, that everything's about you and your, uh, your ways, your beliefs, your truth. Everything is you. It all revolves around making you comfortable and happy. Tell me one place in the scripture that Jesus preaches on how Christians are supposed to be comfortable and happy. I couldn't find it. I looked really hard. Jesus, please tell me everything's going to be easy. I couldn't find a thing. I couldn't find a thing. Jesus wants you to take the gifts and the talents and the abilities that are unique to you and bring them together with the rest of the 
body of Christ. I promise you that. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, friend. You are designed with a purpose and a plan in your life. You are designed perfectly by the designer. You imagine that. I always think about how God knows. He knows. He knew you and the entire story of your life before creation was ever formed. Think about that. He knew your book. Not just a chapter, not just a, a word. He knew your whole story and how it would play out. He knew that. He created you and he formed you. and even gave you free will, but he still knows how you're going to choose. Oh, my gosh, can't even go there. That's just like a whole nother level right there. That's mind-blowing that he created you and he knows whether you're going to show up at church on Sunday. And he loves you anyway. Whether you're going to pray for an hour a day. Oh, didn't get it done. He loves you anyway. Quiet time, seven days a week, spending my time with the Lord. He knows you're not going to get it perfect. He loves you <laughs> anyway. Aren't you glad? Come on, you have a unique purpose and talent. I know Pastor Robert was talking about the gifts and the talents and the abilities. I'm telling you, this church is not built on just a handful of pastors. This church is not about the people that you see up here with microphones. I promise you it's about you. I think about Ephesians 4 and about how important it is for all the gifts in all the believers, especially like think about what we call the fivefold ministry, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, shepherds, right? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, shepherds. Um, think, about, think about how those things are spread throughout the body. They're not just given to people with microphones. You are a shepherd for your family, friend. You're the pastor of your neighborhood. How's that feel? Come on, man. When you, when you walk into Publix, just walk in and be like, don't worry, pastor's here. How's it going? Don't worry, I got this. You need prayer? You need prayer? Awesome, man. Right here by the tomatoes. Man, let's circle up. You're going through something tough. No problem. Can you imagine? That's not just for people with microphones. This is for all of us. God takes the gospel out through the body into the highways and the byways, and he brings all his lost sons and daughters home. If you're with me, say Amen. That's what God does. He doesn't just get them to church. But here's the thing. You need encouragement to do that, don't you? The, the longer I go without getting together with y'all, the harder it is for me to have that kind of attitude. I will get about my comfort quick. Dude, I gotta, I'll tell you, man, I know, hey, we were given a gift of a hot tub. I have a hot tub in my backyard, y'all. I never dreamed I'd be so rich. I've got a hot tub in my backyard. I will sit in that joker for hours. I am so happy in that hot tub. I'm not sharing the gospel with nobody, though, in the hot tub. That has to be a, like a special treat like candy. You know what I'm saying? That can't be broccoli and steak. Like the, just get, follow me on this. I can hide in my backyard and be so happy. But man, when I go across the street and I serve my neighbor who has two little baby girls and I go over and help them like with their yard, that's way better to God. And, and in the end, I'm going to feel really good about, man, I actually advanced the gospel. They don't know Christ. So I'm like, man, I'm going to go over and serve them. If I'm sitting hiding in my backyard, I don't get it done. Let me go to the next point here. The next thing to write down. Together, we as the body of Christ, we form up a place for God to inhabit. A place for God to inhabit. You guys know this one. Psalm 22. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. You, God, are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. Is the, the psalmist, is you writing about Israel like the dude, Israel? Like the, the guy, Israel, like the character, the Bible character? No, he's talking about Israel, the people. It's a, a big part of when you're reading the Bible, you always want to make note of what's singular and what's plural. And there's a lot more in the Bible that's about we than about you. Ooh, we can often read the Bible and we read it like this is God's love letter to me. He's talking right to me. Actually, probably not. He's probably, most, more often than not, writing to the church. 
He's writing to the body of Christ. Ooh, think about that. Ooh, that's a tough one. I think about that often. Because I often think, oh, this is talking directly about me. No, this is talking about the church, and that's one of the things. Yes, when you sing in your shower and you're singing out praises to God, yes, he's inhabiting your praises. But this passage is talking about when we come together. Did you know that God came down and made a throne in this place this morning? Because the saints are assembled in this place, in this room, for the sole purpose of bringing God glory and honor and encouraging one another all the more as we see the day of Jesus Christ returning. That God is glorified in that, that he makes his presence dwell in the midst of those people, those people who have been redeemed and set free. Oh, man, the fruit of the lips of those who've been redeemed and set free. Oh, the things that come out of our mouths when you know that you've been redeemed and set free. Oh, the things that, that the encouragement that flows out of you when you know that Jesus has forgiven you and loves you and is for you. Even when you don't get it right, he's with you and can encourage you and get you back on track. Oh, man, the things that come out of our mouths. Man, if you're sitting at home alone, watching on the screen the people next to you don't get it maybe just maybe God wants to work through you on a Sunday morning for the person sitting next to you in your row Ooh, do you ever think about that that maybe you're coming to church to minister even if you never get a microphone that could be I uh let me tell a quick story I, uh, so I went to college right out of high school. I didn't do very well. I took some time off and went back and did better. But uh, when, I, I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a rock star. That was my thing. Rock star or die. Rocker. Dad, I'm moving to L.A. I'm going to be a rocker. Hair metal band. Come on, I'm an 80s guy. You know what I'm saying? Dad didn't like that so much. He tried to give me other options. And uh, so yeah, I was grateful for it. But uh, he got me in this program. I, I actually went to school and studied music industry for uh, about a year. And uh, I made it about a year. The thing that chased me out of the program was this class called solfege. Solfege. Any musicians in the room? Any musicians besides our worship team? A few people, right? Solfege. Solfege is like learning how to, uh, to have relative pitch and sight sing and learning the differences between different notes and how they all come together. Like it's a hard class because uh, like your tests are like, okay, sing me a perfect seventh or a seventh. Sing me um, from a C, sing me a F. You know, and you have to, like, from memory be able to do this stuff. But uh, uh, let me give you an example. So, like, you guys know the, the theme song from Jaws? I know we're all saved, but have you all seen Jaws? It's, it's a classic movie. Uh, how does that go? It goes, dun, dun. Are you with me? Try it. Try it. Dun, dun. Congratulations. You just sang a minor second. Soulfish. What did you learn at church today? Soulfish. How about this, man? Uh, who knows the song, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star? Twinkle, 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 little star, twinkle, twinkle. Congratulations, perfect fifth. That's called a perfect fifth. You just sang a, a, a perfect fifth. Congratulations, you're a musician. Come on, put your hands together for yourself. Great job. For those of you who are willing to participate, congratulations. And here's what we learned in the class. I, I got a D in the class, as you could tell. That didn't go well for me. That's why I moved to communications. But, <laughs> but. What I learned in that class is the difference. There's, you know, like the sound of one note. You know, it's just one note, right? But then when you add another note to it, you start to get something. And you form up a chord, and you start to get something else. And you form up a progression of chords, and you start to get something else. And it moves from just being a note, which is one thing all by itself, which is good in, in by itself, you know. A C sharp or a, a D sharp is... It's good, but when you get a chord 
and then even like a progression that forms a melody or a song, something else forms that's greater than the sum of the parts. Am I right? The things that you heard our worship team playing today, the chords, them all playing together, all bringing together all of their individual sounds together, all of those things working together, they do something different. They do something unique and beautiful, and they, they make you feel a certain way. Anybody else get a little goosebumps on the forearm? You know what I'm saying? You get the chicken skin start to form up, and there's something about it that starts to lift your eyes and maybe even produce a little bit of joy in your heart. Anybody feel that when the bands play, and you're like, oh, my gosh, the sanctuary. Praise the Lord. I'm finally here. And they're going to get up there, and they're going to pray, and we're going to play. They're going to play music, and it's going to lift my soul and get my eyes off of my circumstance and on to the Lord and on to his return. That day is quickly approaching. And it's going to make me get my eyes off of my comfort even and think about the greater things like the goodness and the greatness and the glory of God. Oh my goodness, the songs are going to take me and transport me into some other place. That happens every time we come together. But what if it was just somebody, TJ on the keys up here is playing C, 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 C. Do you see it? It takes Everyone coming together. And you, my friend, you have your unique part in the song. You have your unique part in the song. The song doesn't sound the same when it's missing certain notes. Am I right? You don't have to be a musician to know that. When something's off, you can hear it. It's like, ooh. When you're missing, we miss you. When, you, when you're not here on Sunday, it's not quite the same. There's something about you being here. You might not feel it, but your pastors notice it. We notice it when you're not here. We love you and we look forward to seeing you. I know it sounds crazy, but we can't wait to see you. And there's somebody else that can't wait to see you either. I'm never, you know, I'm kind of, I stick out in a crowd. You know what I'm saying? I'm tall. And I, man, when I got saved, I was that guy. I was jumping through the roof, man, jumping up and down, pogo. That was the thing back in the days. Hey, Jesus, high fives for Jesus. So I'm, you'd be in, I'd be in a, a worship service, man, just jumping up and down, freaking out in like the fifth row or something like that. People would be like, oh, my goodness, who's that guy? <laughs> Eventually, people start coming over like, hey, where, are you, where were you last week? <laughs> man, I miss coming in and watching the jumping guy, the jumping guy, jumping up and down. He's, he encourages me. I'm telling you, you encourage people just by your presence here. You add value to the house of the Lord by being here. There's something powerful that's released just because you're here. And you might not even feel like it. You might forget to brush your teeth. You might have stanky breath. Something, I'm telling you, man, God uses it. He will use you being here. Last thing I want to share with you. Last thing I want to share with you is this. Together we demonstrate unity. Together we demonstrate unity. Unity is beautiful to God. Unity is beautiful to God. When we come together around the name of Jesus, things change. When we come around, together around the name of Jesus, we leave transformed. There's something that brings us together in a world that is very divided. Whew, just watch your political ads. In a world that's very divided and very divisive, you and us together, we as the body of Christ, we can help bring unity to a very fractured, very fragmented world. Uh, Psalm 133 is a short one. Let me read it to you. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Woo! What can't you do if there's no brothers around? Can't be in unity. There's nobody to be in unity with. It's like a single note instead of a chord. It's like the precious oil on the head. 
running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Mount Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. My goodness, unity is beautiful to God. When we come together and we set aside our differences, our different opinions, our different ideas, and we can all agree about the one thing, Jesus, his return, his day is coming. Jesus' day is coming. Every tear will be wiped away from every eye. Judgment will come on the pain and the misery and the suffering and the injustice of this world when Jesus makes his return. We agree about the one name under heaven by which all Men and women must be saved. The name of Jesus. We agree about the name of Jesus. When the name of Jesus is lifted high, he draws all flesh to himself. Everyone. We agree about the name of Jesus. We set aside how we look. We set aside how we think, how we feel. Good emotions, bad emotions. Good mood, bad mood. We set it all aside. And we become somehow supernaturally the body of Christ manifest in the earth. Whoo, my goodness. Changes the way you think about church, doesn't it? I want to close with this. I want, to, I want to pray for you guys. You know, I think there's a real spirit of divisiveness is one of the things that, um, that causes us not wanting to come together. I think the spirit of Jesus draws us together, but there's, there's wounds and there's hurts. There's spiritual things that keep us apart. I don't think it's just a matter of convenience. Um, I want to pray for you guys. If it's a spiritual problem, there's a spiritual solution, friend. His name is Jesus, and he offers all authority and all power to us as believers. He says, man, power. We'll receive power. I always think about that. I mean, we have power to walk the walks we walk, power to overcome our fears, power to overcome uh, our hurts, our wounds. We don't have to walk in that anymore. If wounds and pain and hurt has kept you from the body of Christ, maybe you have church hurt. These things happen. I've seen it a lot. Wounds wounded by a former pastor, a former leader. I just want to um, repent on their behalf. They might not be around anymore. They might not know where they are. I repent on their behalf and I offer you, I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. I really am. It hurts. It, it hurts. Spiritual hurt hurts a lot. It's real. You can't see it. You can't put a tape measure on it, but it is real and it hurts. And I'm sorry. Don't let it keep you away from the body of Christ. Don't let it keep you away from the assembly of the saints. Some assembly required to get over these things, man. Sometimes the most difficult, the greatest things that you will experience in your life usually come through the most difficult journey. Am I right? The hardest path usually has the greatest reward. This is one of those things to get through, man. Don't forget the assembly of the saints. Some assembly required. I'm praying for a spirit of unity on this place. And I'm praying for just a spirit of humility. You know, pride divides, am I right? Pride divides, but humility, it draws us together, amen? When you're proud, you keep people at arm's length. But humility allows you to over, overlook. I think about, man, it's, it's to your glory to overlook an offense. Humility, it takes humility. So let's pray for those things right now. Let's bow our heads together as a church family. Let me lead us just in a closing prayer and then Pastor Robert's going to come up and dismiss us. That says, I think, for all of us, not just, you know, I like to, I like to pray for people and, and offer everyone a chance to receive Christ. 
But I think this is, you know, a time for all of us to, to maybe repent. Maybe there's something on your heart or your mind you need to repent from. Man, God, uh, I've, I've been wounded by this. It's hurt. I've kept it at arm's length. And so I'm sorry, Lord. Lord, I haven't, I haven't, been, haven't been walking with you the way I should. Or I haven't appreciated uh, church the way I should. Maybe I've just been going through the motions. And today, Lord, I want a fresh passion for your house. A fresh passion for the body of Christ. To be involved and to, to, to be a part of what's going on. If that's you today, everything starts with repentance for the, for the follower of Jesus. It starts when we receive Christ, we repent, and we begin to follow Jesus. And then that spirit of humility, friends, is a lifetime of repenting after that. So today, I just encourage you to repent. Have you, have you kept people at arm's length? Have you isolated yourself? Have you, have you tried to cover up a wound? Just ask the Lord for help. He's here, and he will help you. Ask the Lord for peace in that area. Release it to him. Just in your own words, just as even as I lead you in your thoughts, even just gotta repent for keeping that thing and holding on to that bitter bitterness that hurts God. I release that person who wounded me. I release that hurt. Forgive me for being proud, God, and, and not being forgiving and operating in humility. Forgive me for where I've lost my passion, God, and put my passion in other things, Lord. Help me. I, I turn from those ways and I turn toward you, the giver of life. God, I know your return is coming soon. Your return is imminent. God, I don't want to be found, God, far from you or hating other people or, or hating or resenting other people, God. Help me, Lord, walk in peace toward you. Help me walk with a pure heart toward others. Restore me, God, into the fold. Restore me into the flock of God. And use the gifts and the talents, God, that maybe I've used for my own good. Use these for your glory, God. In the room today, I know there's, there's people with incredible gifts, people with gifts of evangelism, people with teaching gifts, pastoral gifts, administrative gifts. There's people with prophetic gifts. I released the prophetic in the room today. Prophetic gift to be able to speak on behalf of God with a pure heart, not polluting it with your own thoughts or words, but being able to speak into others' lives and into the congregation with, with words from heaven to encourage and admonish others. Release that gift in your people today, God. The gift of evangelism, God. The, the courage to be able to go to your neighbor and to serve them and invite them into a relationship with you, God. Oh, forgive us, God, for, for letting the, the, the preachers do that. And God, empower us that we might take that into our neighborhoods, Lord, to lead people to you. God, fill us with your spirit. You promised us power. We receive it today. And God, for anyone who does not know you, who knows that today is the day of salvation, that they are far from you and they know it and they need to receive you and repent and make a change and follow you. God, I just lift those people up to you. Right now, make a decision in your seat, right where you are, make a decision. God, I've run from you in the past and I'm sorry. And today I turn and I give my life to you. I give you my life and my love and you are my Lord. And God, from this day forward, I will follow you with everything I've got. God, fill me with your spirit so that I can follow you and find my part to play in the body of Christ. In Jesus' name.